0: Oh, hopefully you're all pumped because we're gonna we're trying to shake off the Christmas in the park hangover. Who's got a Christmas in the park hangover? No one wants to admit it. Now, it's not because you drink alcohol. Um, but um, actually I had a guy come up to me yesterday. Um he told me about all the money he'd made over the years playing music, which was a whole lot, and he was hugging me and telling me how amazing Um, I was, um, because I did a really bad set, I have to, admit I was the worst i have probably played in years, probably because I was so nervous, but anyway, um, he was hugging me, and then I'm realising why he's being so affectionate, because he's completely off his tree, Um, so um, I'll I'll just take the compliment past the alcoholic phase um, haze that he was in, um, and and seriously, before we get to Seth, which Seth's amazing, and I want to pump him up a little bit, um, I'm so honoured for everyone doing what they could to make yesterday work, Uh, it's really a testament to our church and uh, I know a lot of people were really rooting for us yesterday. Um, there's nothing we can do about the rain. We prayed on Friday night. Um, we, pr- we prayed enough to keep the rain away for half the day. So next year we're going to pray for 20 minutes instead of 10 minutes and maybe that will get us through the whole the whole day. But man, you guys, especially our management team, you guys are just outstanding. Um, Seth and Debbie are great friends from Auckland. We've known them for a long long time. I was in his um, wedding party. I was the token white guy um, of a bunch of beautiful brown faces and um, yeah that was funny and um, and uh, I've probably told too many stories about these guys Seth, t- to his credit, Seth came down to play drums for Christmas in the park, okay so he races down here on Friday, we do rehearsal until late on Friday night um, he comes along just to be there if we need him, he ends up wearing one of our volunteer t-shirts and working the entire day and then he doesn't even get to play so, um, so you have to feel bad for him and encourage him even more when he's Preaching this morning because we thought, Liz, why don't you come and play? We had to be mates and play again, but we didn't get to do that. Um, But we get to hear him speak this morning. Seth, you're an awesome guy. I'm such an honour to have you as a friend, and uh, we really want you to do really well. You guys are awesome. And if I could steal you away from your own church, then I'd invite you here every five seconds. Um, But so they're such a cool couple. So how about we welcome Seth, who comes to share this morning? (laughs) Thanks, Ro.
1: Good morning. How are you doing? Thank you. Hey, it's uh, such a privilege to be here, and uh, we love Lockie and Suze. And uh, as you know, uh, Lockie was in our wedding party; he was the token white guy. Uh, but we we go back a long way. And uh, you may have stolen me from church, uh, but as you can see, I've forgotten to edit my PowerPoint, <laughs> and it's got Shore Elam Church on it. So I've just I've just brought church uh, here to you. Uh, But yeah, uh, my my name's Seth and my wife, this is my wife, Debbie. Stand up and give everyone a wave, honey. And uh, we've got three little princesses, uh, Amy, Cadence, and Evangeline, who are out enjoying your Power Zone program. And uh, they are currently aged, uh, oh, shucks. Here we go. Seven, seven, nine, and 10. And so our our claim to fame as parents is that we raised uh, three girls under three. And then there were three girls under four, and then three girls under five. And then once the youngest hit five, we shipped them all off to school and stopped parenting them. And teachers took care of them for a while. And uh, that was all good, um, but no, 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 we we still parent them a little bit every now and then, so we're good. Uh, but I, can I just encourage you? Um, it was such a, a privilege to be a part of yesterday, and uh, you know when we when we were praying for when we were praying for uh, the event on Saturday. I, mean, I I just got this picture. Uh, of this wave moving out from Taupo out to the rest of the nation. And, and I kind of thought, well, what, what was that picture about? And here's what I think it is. You know, I've, I've, I've admired um, Lockie and I've admired Taupo Elam and what you guys are doing because I, I think that you guys are one of the most influential Elam churches in the country when it comes to the impact you have on your town and on your city. Uh, there, there aren't many Elam countries. There aren't many Elam churches around the country who can who can stand and say that they have the, cert, the certain type of influence in the community in the council that Taupo Elam has. I can certainly tell you, sure Elam doesn't have that influence. We'd love it one day, uh, but but I think that we, we look at what you guys are doing, uh, even with volunteering in the community. And then I stand at the park yesterday and I hear the MCs go, "We want to thank sure Elam." Uh, sorry, I'm still going to show you. We want to thank Talpo Elam Church. And it's one thing to say Talpo Elam, but when they start saying Taupo Elam Church, I think there is something in the spirit that just moves from the platform and that just moves and radiates from uh, the people uh, who were there representing. And so it was, it was an absolute privilege just to be out there. I wore your T-shirt with pride. I gave it back like I was instructed to. <laughs> I know I'm an islander, but I'm a Christian islander, so I don't take everything that I kind of grab.
0: Dude,
1: I'll give you one. Yes, can I just encourage you, man? You guys are doing awesome. The uh, management team, it was just so great to see you guys at work. Uh, keep it up, uh, because I believe what the, the seeds that you're sowing is gonna produce the sort of fruit that you're believing for. The seeds that you're sowing now is gonna produce the fruit that you're believing for. And I believe that God's gonna honor that and that God is gonna send more people along your path to speak to, more people along all of your paths for you guys to minister to uh, for his glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Is that good? Cool. Can I go home now? Are we done. Uh, I just want to share with you this morning uh, from a parable that is found in uh, the book of Luke. And if you're unfamiliar with parables, uh, parables are stories that are used to to illustrate and to kind of give us a picture of uh, of a moral or spiritual lesson. And uh, we know from the Gospels that Jesus taught a whole lot of parables right throughout uh, Jesus' teaching, which is one of the, the best teachings found uh, in, in the Gospels. And Matthew, uh, over there on the Sermon on the Mount, he, he used a lot of these illustrations. And so today we're going to be looking at the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector that is found in Luke 18 verses 9 to 14. And just to kick it off, uh, I thought rather than read it, uh, we'll watch a little video clip of that parable being told. Thanks, Alex.
2: The Roman occupation of the nation was in evidence everywhere, and the people longed for the Messiah to free them from the tyranny. Please be with you. And you, Master. May I use your boat, Simon? Why not? He's not going to leave, is he? Speak to us! Speak to us! Speak to us! Yeah, speak to us. once there were two men who went up to the temple to pray one was a pharisee the other a tax collector the pharisee stood apart by himself and prayed i thank you god that i am not greedy or dishonest or an adulterer like everybody else i thank you that i am not like that tax collector over there i fast twice a week and i give you one tenth of all my income But the tax collector stood at a distance and would not even raise his face to heaven, but beat upon his breast and said, God, have pity on me, a sinner. I tell you, the tax collector, not the Pharisee, was in the right with God when he went home. For the man who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Push the boat out farther to the deep water, Then you and your partners let down your nets for a catch. Oh, mercy. We worked hard all night long.
1: Hey, let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we thank you, Lord, that it is truth. And we thank you, Lord, that you are here with us this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would use me... Uh, Lord, this morning to to speak to your people, Father, that you will take uh, these words and this teaching and multiply it into every heart, Father, that we might receive afresh from you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. So the clip we just saw uh, covered our passage from verses 10 to 14, but in the first uh, verse of our passage, in verse 9, we see the people that Jesus is speaking to, and uh, we read, Uh, out of the New King James, that it says uh, that he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. In the NIV, it says that he spoke to those who uh, trusted in their own righteousness and looked down on others. And in the NIV, it says those who trusted in their own righteousness and scorned others. And so right at the start, we kind of get this picture of who Jesus is speaking to. And we can easily kind of look at it and then go, oh, well, you know, uh, I, I don't look down on people and, and I, I don't think that I'm all that righteous and, and I don't really scorn anybody. So this doesn't apply to me. And, and, and so this, this kind of parable doesn't really uh, fit with, with where I'm at, because we're all, we're all good people. And, and I know that's true here in Taupo, but maybe in other places. Uh, But it's easy to kind of uh, write that off and and kind of uh, just move on. But I want you to stay with me this morning because I believe uh, that there's a great lesson uh, for all of us, uh, firstly, and then secondly, I believe that whenever Jesus speaks, there is always a lesson to be learned. And so we read uh, in Luke 18, verse 10. Jesus says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And we're gonna come back at the end uh, of the message to the significance of this taking place in uh, the temple. But we see these two men, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And before we get into the prayers that they prayed, I thought it'd be uh, good for us to have a look at who uh, these men are briefly and what they represent. So we have a Pharisee. And the Pharisees in this time were, uh, these were the religious leaders of the time. Uh, They were respected. By the people, uh, they were held uh, in high esteem in society uh, in those days, and they were seen as righteous. You know, they, these these are the guys who upheld the laws, uh, and they passionately held on to uh, the ceremonies and to the tradition of the Jewish people and the people of Israel. Now, I, I don't know about you, but it doesn't sound like there's much wrong with that. And so uh, they're kind of going about. And in the best way that they can and in the best way that they know, at a time when the Roman Empire is oppressing them, they are protecting their culture. They are protecting uh, what they believe is the righteous path. Unfortunately, uh, these guys, uh, they kind of end up in, in a point where they make a public display of it and become prideful about their status. So they get to the point where they're out in public and it's all about how we look. It's all about how uh, they appear to the people. And because they were so legalistic in their ceremony uh, and in their traditions, when Jesus the Messiah, who they're all waiting for, who these guys were waiting for when when Jesus the messiah himself came they couldn't see past their self righteousness to see that the messiah they were waiting for was in fact walking with them and walking along beside them they became so wrapped up in themselves that they couldn't see who Jesus was, which is why when we often hear of uh, the Pharisees today, we see them as opponents to who Jesus was because they often opposed him out of uh, their religious self-righteousness. They often opposed him out of their protecting of the customs, when in fact in the time they were very well respected and held in high regard. And so that's who the Pharisee represents, those who elevated themselves in society, those who thought highly of themselves among the people. And then the second person we have in the story is the tax collector. Jewish men, people of of the nation of Israel who were out making a living, collecting taxes from their own people. And because uh, of their association with the hated Romans, because of their association with their oppressors, they were considered to be traitors who had turned on Israel. They were considered to be traitors who had turned on their own people, taking the money off their people, uh, taking the taxes off them and giving it to the Romans. And so they were treated as outcasts. They were treated uh, as uh, you know, not one of them, not one of, our, not one of the Israelites, and they were looked down upon uh, certainly by the Pharisees and many others uh, in society. And so we get a snapshot of these two people which Jesus is uh, using to make this illustration. And so as we unpack their prayer uh, this morning, uh, we're going to see what applications we can take from that to note down. So in Luke 18, verse 11 and 12, we read, the Pharisee stood and prayed douse with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. Where shall we start on this one? So I think, firstly, uh, we, we kind of have to give it to this Pharisee, right? He's he's in the temple and he's praying. Uh, I think we've got to give him that much. Uh, he's he's kind of seeking, seeking something, seeking God. Um, uh, and, and he's kind of out there praying. And secondly, there's, we, ha- we have no reason, uh, and there's certainly nowhere there that it tells us that anything he's praying is a lie. So there is nothing in the parable, there's nothing before or after the parable that tells us that what this Pharisee is praying is actually a lie. So he prays, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Uh, probably true, he probably wasn't like other men. He says, I'm not an extortioner, I'm not unjust, I'm not an adulterer, possibly true. He says, I fast twice a week and I give my tithes. Likely true. And there's nothing in this parable that suggests that these things are false. Not only that, uh, not not being an extortioner, uh, not being an adulterer, um, you know, those are good things, aren't they? It's a good thing to not be an adulterer or an extortioner. To fast twice a week is a good thing. To give our tithes to the house of God as he, as he leads us is a good thing. So where did the Pharisee go so wrong as he was praying? And if you're taking notes this morning, here's your first point. The Pharisee teaches us the need for less of I And me. You see, where I believe the Pharisee went wrong in his prayer is that it was all centered around him. It was all centered around exalting who he was, what he had done. Five times in the prayer, he uses the word I. I thank you that, and we're going to come back to his thank you in a minute. I am not like other men. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. His prayers were centered around himself, his own actions, what his status was. His prayer had no element of confession, no element of praise and adoration to God. It was all about what he was doing. It was all about the work of his hands. It was all about his position rather than God's work. How easily do we make that mistake sometimes? Elevating ourselves as the author and the orchestrator of our own success. Elevating ourselves as the ones who, out of our gifting, things and do good things and fail to acknowledge God's hand in and through everything that we do. How easy is it just to slip into that, sometimes without even realizing it? Exalting ourselves is better than someone who has less. Exalting ourselves is better than someone who's achieved less, someone who's got less likes on Facebook, Instagram, every other gram, telegrams that you kind of get out there. You know, in John 3, verses 30 to 31, we read, he must increase, speaking of God, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth, but he who comes from heaven is above all. Amen? And so the lesson we learned from the Pharisee this morning is the need of less of I and less of me and more of God invading us in in our lives. And so Jesus contrasts uh, the Pharisee Pharisee here with the prayer of the tax collector in verse 13 where we read, The tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So the tax collector comes in, hangs his head down low. Uh, He can't even lift his head to God out of shame. He's beating on his chest, which is described as a sign showing in public, a sign showing sadness and guilt. So he comes in, hangs his head in shame. On his chest and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And so the tax collector teaches us this morning the need for humility. You know, humility is defined in the, in the English dictionary as a quality of having a modest view of one's importance. This note here it's not talking about the quality of one's person. It's not saying that we should have a modest view of who we are. It's saying a modern modest view of our importance and that is always in relation to who God is and what God is doing. The biblical definition of the word humility as it relates to this passage defines the absence of self Less of I and me, a bankruptcy of spirit that accrues no merit but depends solely on God's righteousness for salvation and for blessing and for all things. Don't they both sound like the complete opposite of what we saw in the Pharisee? And so this tax collector. Uh, in this moment, was displaying for us uh, what Jesus was speaking about in the Beatitudes, uh, where he where he says in Matthew five verse three, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." You know, the poor in spirit here are those who understand and those who admit that we have nothing that we can do for ourselves to save ourselves, but that we need God that we trust in God. We've got nothing to offer God in atonement for our sin. We come empty, we come bankrupt, and we know that there is a need for God's grace. And the tax collector here uh, humbled himself before God and came to God in prayer, poor in spirit. And then Jesus says in the final verse, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. you know, in our lives and prayers, I think that there are two two things that we need to keep in check to take note of this morning. The first is who are you exalting? Who are we exalting? Are we exalting God, what God has done, the blessings of God over our lives? Or are we exalting our own talents, ourselves, our achievements, what we believe was our gifts? And our own, and our achievements out of our own ability. Who are we exalting? And then we need to keep a check on who, on our personal humility. Our personal humility. Do we stand before God, realizing that it's by the grace and the mercy of God that we have anything it's by God's grace and God's mercy that we have life that we have breath James 4 verse 10 says humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up echoing what Jesus says here in verse 14 that he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, it's, it's significant that this exchange takes part uh, in the temple just as we close uh, this morning. You know, on the temple grounds, uh, people knew where they stood uh, in regards to their status. Uh, people knew where they stood uh, in regards to what they could expect from God. You know, there was at the temple uh, the inner courts uh, where you had the altar of presence where only the priests and the high priests could go to. And then there were the outer courts which had an altar where all the others could come and sacrifice their animals uh, and stuff um, to God. And so you had your insiders and you had your outsiders in the temple. Uh, and according to these rules, there was no question about where the Pharisee and the tax collector would have stood when they went in to pray. The Pharisee would have gone into the inner courts. The tax collector would have been, as the verse says, afar off uh, in the outer courts. And, was, and they knew very well where they kind of stood uh, in regards to their status. But who knows this morning that when Jesus died on the cross, all of that changed. Amen? Yeah, the gospel, in the Gospel of Luke, it records... Uh, The curtain uh, in the temple being torn in two when Jesus died. Ending all division of humanity before God. No more division of hierarchy before God. And that act is symbolized here in the parable where God justifies, he, he doesn't justify the one who is held in high esteem by the temple law. He justifies the one who is standing on the outer court. He doesn't justify the Pharisee, he justifies the tax collector. Bringing separation to all, uh, bringing separation and div- and into any division between all people. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you as we close no matter how far off you feel from God, no matter how far away, you might end up feeling separated. Whether you feel like you're inside or outside, be encouraged that God has justified you through Christ Jesus. Don't don't only carry that for yourself, but as you continue to reach your city, carry that heart for those who don't know him yet. As we stand in the inner courts of the kingdom of God, let's not forget that there are many who are standing on the outside. There are many who still need to be reached and who still need to be touched. There is nowhere anyone can go to get away from our awesome God. Amen. So less of I and me, also means more thinking about everyone else. Humility means that we humble ourselves before God, knowing that He's greater, knowing that He is almighty. Knowing that it's only by his grace and mercy that we're set free, that we are alive, and that we are made righteous. And then saying, God, I'll go with you. Then God, what's next? Humbling ourselves to the point where we serve obediently His will. Knowing that He's perfect in all of His ways. And knowing that He has a plan and a purpose. And while we stand, I just want to pray for you this morning. we just lift our hands to God and prepare to receive Holy Spirit come this morning we pray Holy Spirit just move in this place Heavenly Father we just thank you this morning for the gift of your son Jesus Jesus Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of our salvation. We thank you, Lord, for this life that we've been blessed with. Father, we just acknowledge afresh this morning that it's all about you. Lord, be exalted in this place. Be exalted in our lives. Use us, Father, to fulfill your will. Continue to teach us, Lord, to bring increase to who you are in our lives and to bring decrease to ourselves, to have less of I and me and more humility. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.